And our greatest passion is within the circular business models because there you can really see win-win-win everywhere. And we have a really important role both when we work with our own brands, but also when we're displaying brands. What brands do we choose? What demands do we take on the different suppliers uh, to be able to sell through Netonet? For years, we've talked about the power of omni-channel retail, the seamless combination of digital and physical touch points to deliver a flawless commerce experience. But for my guests today, it might be time to change the narrative and shift from an omni-experience to an opti-experience, one where continuous optimization to serve the needs of consumers takes center stage. When the digital boom took retailers and their customers online, we all know that the raison d'etre of the physical store changed. But for Swedish electronics retailer Netonet, their physical presence has remained their secret weapon. Founded in 1999, Netonet was awarded the best Nordic company in Omnichannel by Google. And they're widely noted as European leader in Omnichannel. To find out more about their strategy and the opportunities and challenges they've been presented with along the way, I'm delighted to be joined by CEO Suzanne Holmstrom to talk further. So Suzanne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Wow, what an introduction. <laughs> I know a lot about Netonet. Yes, well, there you go. I've done my research and it's so good to have you here. So obviously we're at D-Congress, so let's uh, make sure that our conversation talks about the topics that are going to focus here at D-Congress. But a lot of people might have recognized you from your session yesterday. I know you spoke at the uh, Women in, in Tech and Digital session. Yeah. Maybe you can tell us more about you, your role, your background, and indeed what's going on at Netflix. Yeah, I think that was a great initiative from the Congress to yeah. join forces with Women in Tech. Definitely. Yeah, so we were discussing a lot about uh, leadership, sustainability, and of course, how we can sort of attract more, more women into the tech industry yeah. and, the, and the tech part of retail. So I, I was uh, joining a panel discussion. Biggest uh, takeaways for you from yesterday? Uh, we need to do more <laughs> quicker. <laughs> because I think sometimes you really, you think that uh, it has happened so much more. Uh, and sometimes we also blame the COVID era. It's a, yeah. But you can really see we were looking at the capital uh, and the investments in female founded companies and it's a disaster. Yeah, it's so we need to, to start excuses, more tech companies. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Okay. And tell us more about you and your background and then your role. So you're CEO now, but how did you get there? What's been your journey up to this point? Yeah, and I'm quite new into retail. I've only been in retail for a little more than three years when I joined as a CEO for Netonet. Before that, I come from completely other industries. Okay. I've been in telecom for 12 years and also within the insurance industry. And then I joined Netonet. And I think that is really a brave uh, decision brave, from yeah. a board to yeah. look into completely different industries. And they really wanted to have a person with experience from services. And I think that is something happening in retail right now, going from transaction to more relation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I think when you have been working in the service industry, that's natural. But in, in the retail, we are very focused on transaction. So, yeah. so I think that is an interesting uh, part that I really think a lot about. And of course, I'm probably one of the reasons, but I got the opportunity. <laughs> to why it's working out come. so well. Yeah. yeah, it is. But I think it's a mindset thing. And, uh, and that's something that we talk a lot about in the management team. How can we really look upon the uh, relation with the customer during uh, the lifetime yeah, of the at, product? At every in a stage. Different way. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that in, in a lot more detail 
as this conversation goes on, which is great. Mm. I referenced there in the introduction this concept of a shift from omni to yeah. opti, which you mentioned when we had our prep session for this yeah. for this conversation. What do you mean by that? And how do you build that into the strategy? Exactly. And I think maybe that's personal, but we've been talking about Omni for so long. So yes. everybody has their own interpretation of what that means. Uh, so it's a sort of a blurry world. And, and uh, Omni, we're sort of taking it for granted that yes. it's connected. Uh, and, and what we think more about is uh, we have our physical presence. I will talk more about that. And also our digital uh, customer experience. And what we need to do or are focusing on to do is to optimize the different channels based on what kind of uh, customer interaction you can have there. So sort of optimizing each customer interface, if it's a digital interface, a physical interface, uh, is something that we really didn't do to, of course, keep them together uh, in a connected perspective. Uh, but uh, but of course, when you're in a physical presence, you are able to speak with the customer, get service in a different way. You can also bring the products back to us if you need yeah. rep- needed to be repaired or so so different channels have different uh, strengths and weaknesses uh, and what we try to do is to really optimize that optimize the whole thing so let's opti channel (laughs) opti channel is that is that going to catch on by the end of decongress will everyone be talking opti channel rather than opti channel we'll see if we can make that we can make that take off let's give everyone some context then for people who might i mean we're a swedish captive swedish audience here so i'm sure this isn't going to be the case but for those people who might not be familiar with the history of netonet and how it's got to where it is and you're focus on digital but the importance of your physical retail yeah tell us more about it so how does it work exactly and i'm, I'm still a little overwhelmed because there are so many people here there are at the so D many Congress. people here and lots yeah. of people yeah. with their headphones on which is great yeah and, and i think it's uh, <laughs> it's such a long time ago where we could meet in this uh, in this great surrounding i know but the net history i think it's a fantastic history but uh, e-tailer that has been present for more than 20 years it's not that many uh, and uh, I think the founders, we still have one founder, Roger, in, in the company. Business, great. Uh, and uh, it was really based on uh, the, the traditional way of selling home electronics. It's very physical. It's yeah. a one-to-one face. And, and yeah. you were... You were uh, talking, discussing, get the, getting your vacuum cleaner. So they thought that why couldn't we do this online? Uh, and then it was a, a bumpy road, of course, because you need to have agreements and access to all the different products. Uh, but but in the beginning, just a couple of years after uh, our introduction as an e-tailer, mm-hmm. we got customers to our warehouse knocking on the door, asking if and they could get... literally knocking uh, on the door. And literally to get knocking it. on the door. Because they wanted their TV a little faster because the last mile was not that developed 20 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) And then we thought, why not? We can open up a little door or a window into our warehouse uh, so you can come to us and purchase your products. It's efficient and and we don't even need the last mile. So that was when the lager shop concept was grounded. So we are an e-tailer and we're working with e-commerce by Soul & Heart, but we are complemented it with 29 lager shops that is more like a warehouse stores located in uh, Sweden and we have three in Norway. Uh, okay. So that is a concept where we are not talking about stores and we are not unpacking the products. It's like a warehouse, but you get access to the products and you get access to really good, knowledgeable, fantastic personnel. And that's a really interesting to. point, isn't it? Because when we talk about the changing structure of stores or, or however, however uh, you know, whatever that physical presence might be, whether we call it a store or not, 
what you don't get online is that expert knowledge or a lot of companies now are trying to find a way to impart that expert knowledge via online channels but yeah. it's just not the same is it and, and that's what customers really need they want to be able to talk to someone they want to be able to make comparisons they want to be able to have that one-on-one conversation one-on-one yeah. conversation so it's so important that that's there somewhere in the customer yeah. journey and I think uh, that is what we're addressing but we do it in a little different way but we could clearly see that the more than 80% almost 90% of the customers coming to visit us at the warehouse store they have started their journey online online so you do the first uh, part of the customer journey but then at some point uh, either to get access to the pro- products quickly yeah. or to get the last discussion just verification of is this right for me so, so it really is about that full yeah. omni opti opti experience yeah. okay let's focus more on that brick and mortar strategy then as as people will will know it's referred to and the presence of these large shops so what's been so instrumental to your business or how have they been so instrumental to your business and but also more importantly how do you measure the success of those so if you were to take those away completely mm-hmm. how do you know how impactful they are if people are doing their research online beforehand mm-hmm. if they have the ability to purchase online mm-hmm. how do you know if you didn't take those away that that your business would suffer yeah i think for, for us it's uh, it's really important to follow the customer journey yeah. to see how we can really work with the different channels optimizing our different channels and for us that 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 is the concept we try not to measure uh, our sales digital sales physical sales uh, we are measuring it's sales it's the full sales it's the full sales and in some cases you need to go uh, to a store in some cases you you have have it sent to your home mm-hmm. uh, so i think measure success of course we are measuring the different lager shops in in that sense but we more look at the different touch points and the customer satisfaction in those yeah. touch points and to also follow the customer journey not only for one purchase but to see because you can clearly see that in some cases when you buy a TV maybe you want to go to a lager shop store but when you buy an uh, your phone uh, it's easier to get it sent uh, to your home uh, yeah. so i think what you need to measure is uh, of course your overall uh, cost structure yeah. so you do this efficiently yeah. uh, and the net on net uh, we're really a price leader on the swedish market to be able to be a price leader you need to do it efficient yeah. so our lager shops are very very efficient they're often located outside the cities yeah. big uh, warehouse store low, with the lower rent costs of course so uh, so measure it in customer uh, kpis and also always looking at the efficiency and the opex structure of your total business. What I think is really interesting about you is you are online first, right? You are digital first. Yeah. And we see a lot of companies now, the old kind of legacy companies who started very much brick and mortar first and then are trying to make that their way into into e-commerce and online sales. Mm. Do you think the experience that you've had of being digital first has helped you to to create a better experience in your stores? Mm. looking at the customer journey i think i think different uh, different companies have their uh, different strengths and, and weaknesses and i think being a digital first player you're really process oriented yeah. uh, having efficiency built into your business yeah. model uh, maybe sometimes a lack of the closeness to the customer uh, where yeah. the physical stores are working very very close to to the customers meeting the customer every day uh, and i think that is something that we uh as all retailers need to combine yeah. uh, both taking your business from an outside in perspective but also very efficient in in the processes so i think in being aware of that we know that we are retailer we have really good processes uh, but now we're really focusing a lot of understanding the customer and the customer journey in different touch points so i think all 
both the the more physical retailers going into and, and increasing their uh, online share. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they see it as a as a as a weakness because you cannot yeah. get the 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 same uh, close relationship with the customer, but you sort of have to embrace it and yeah. uh, integrate it into your model. And the same for the the e-commerce and the digital first players because a lot of them are also opening up physical presence. Exactly. And I think yeah. you, you yeah, really yeah. need to know why. Yeah, why do don't just do it for the sake of doing it. What's no. the opportunity of opening a physical presence? Whether that is because you recognize that you need to get closer to your sales assistants or shit that shift of sales assistants to sales advisors, mm-hmm. you know, that uh, selling to advisory capacity, mm-hmm. whether it's to give them an opportunity to have an experience that they wouldn't necessarily have online or, or interact with the brand in a way that they can't yeah. online. But you're absolutely right. It has to be done for a reason. It can't mm-hmm. just be done because you think it's the right the right thing to do like most businesses the last two years have been quite complicated mm. in terms of changing customer he- behavior what's needed to happen in order to support customers also customers have been a lot at home so electronic goods probably uh, in high demand as well mm. how did you see your business be impacted yeah, over wow. the last couple of years and how have you responded to that I think uh, all uh, companies have been uh, affected, of course, by the COVID situation. In in our case, both uh, uh, e-commerce has increased a lot during the last two years. And there have been a a great interest in home electronic products. You could really see from from the beginning of the pandemic, you needed the home office. Everyone suddenly needed to be online on the setup. Exactly. You could see the first was the home office. Then it went to gaming. Then it went to cleaning. What can we do to cure the boredom? Exactly. Yeah. And then cleaning and then training. So we follow the customer journey there. But, but of course, that will be a challenging times uh, just to make sure that you have the products on uh, on stock available because yeah. it has been a, a challenge getting the products home. And yeah. also, of course, working from home, leadership in a completely different way. Yeah. But for our business, uh, the uh, these last years has, uh, has um, increased the demand for our products. So we are very, very pleased that we have been able to serve that increased demand yeah. but we are even more proud that we have been able to increase market share during that time uh, and uh, sort of strengthen our position because of course we know that it will come uh, is it normal but we as uh, unfamiliar it was to go into a pandemic it's it's really unfamiliar to go out of a pandemic yeah also. exactly what do you do <laughs> next yeah exactly yeah and now that everyone's had a taste of what's possible and how you can engage with your customers in different mm. ways now the question is how do you scale it beyond what we've got here in place yeah. and how do you deal with that huge demand did you notice a difference you know when people couldn't go outside and they weren't able to attend the warehouses anymore did you notice a difference in what customers were asking for was there an increase in calls to to your contact us yeah i think section? what we could see there was a much higher digital presence yeah then i think we are one of the few that experienced increased interest in our physical presence because of course we have big warehouse yeah. i think customers felt uh, secure more secure because they they could come there and really have a, a safe That's uh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but but uh, the, the, and we could also see interest from new categories as with elderly people uh, more uh, had higher interest in going digital yeah uh, so i think uh, you need to understand that uh, new customer behavior to be able to also grasp the opportunities going forward but if you look at home electronics, it's a, it's a quite high share of e-commerce in that category. I think in Sweden, maybe around 40%. Mm-hmm. But still, if you look at the US and UK, it's a completely different numbers. Uh, it's like 70% e-commerce. Wow. So I know that our category, there is a great potential of, uh, 
of having growth uh, in the digital uh, presence of, of home electronics. But we think it's really important to also combine it in this omni-channel model then. What do you see as the most interesting change in consumer behavior then when you're looking at your business and how to meet the future needs of your business? Have you noticed anything that really stands out to you? What's no, but I, I think it's the interest. Uh, what, what we feel passionate about is sort of the interest in our category in uh, sustainability and cir circular business yes. models. Yeah, yeah. And maybe the customers are not there yet demanding it. But I think it's, uh, it's really interesting to, to together with the customers, uh, um, do experimental tests of uh, what that could mean to us. Mm -hmm. Because both from a customer perspective and uh, for a company perspective, it's important that your products have a longer life. Uh, yeah. And that is really something that will happen, I believe, in the coming years. Yeah. Uh, we so mend rather than buy new, fix rather than buy again? Yeah. What kinds of things are you thinking about? But I think, I think for in, uh, in our category, if you look at a TV, uh, the, the lifetime could be and should be very long. And I think yeah. uh, uh, what we as a retailer need to do is to be part of every part of that journey, both the purchase, but then the usage of yeah. the tele TV or, or the vacuum cleaner to be able to repair. Yes. Uh, and today we know it's uh, in many cases, it's uh, not worth repairing. Yeah, you buy if it a breaks, new one. you just buy new. Yeah, exactly. So repair and then if you want uh, to sort of upgrade. Uh, your home electronics we should be able to have a new owner for that so we are we are also uh, part of that journey and then in the end you have to recycle the products in a in yeah. a responsible way so i think in that uh, it's very interesting when you look at the product life cycle and to see how you can you be relevant in different parts and also we as a, a reseller of big brands uh, could be even more uh, have a, have a better conversation together with the brands of what the customer demands, being able for the customer to do sustainable choices. We cannot make the customer to choose uh, the products that we want, but we can make it easy to get the information you need. Yeah, you get the information and encourage them to do the right thing and to make, yes. and to make the right choices. But if we're really realistic, you know, as an electronics company, you want people to be buying more. You want people to be getting the next upgrade, to yeah. be wanting a new TV in, in five years' time because it's the new, the latest model. So how do you balance that? How do you make sure that you're encouraging sustainability and encouraging the right choices yeah. and ultimately supporting an industry that's trying to become more sustainable yeah. whilst at the same time making sure that you're still appealing to the same customers, bringing them back, increasing loyalty, making sure that you encourage them to, to buy more? Mm, I think that is such a good question because, uh, of course, as a, as a company, you want, to, you want to be able to be attracted to, be, to your yeah, customers. Exactly. But still, if you look at the product lifecycle, it's so much interesting things to do there with a win-win-win situation. The okay. customers are winning because they get access to products for a longer time. And probably if, you've, uh, if you have a refurbished phone, you can yeah. buy it uh, a little cheaper than yeah. a new yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah. So I think when we look at being uh, relevant in all parts of that, that is uh, also for us uh, uh, an, an opportunity to make money and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. a financial but, but that, sustainability. You have to be realistic and, and honest about that. Of course, yes. it's a business. Exactly. So, so it's a win-win for us, for the customer and for the environment. Uh, so I think the circular models, you have to be interested and really to, uh, try new things because I think it will look completely different uh, going forward. We have launched uh, 
hyreshyllan. Uh, I don't know if it's a good translation, but where you can rent or lease okay. products yeah, 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 instead yeah, yeah. of purchase. Yes. And I think that is also something maybe not created from a customer demand, but we are very interested in that kind of business model. And to see if do you really want to purchase, do you really need to purchase, or do you want to, to lease or rent? And you can be able to upgrade. And when you upgrade, probably that product will end up at a new customer. So I think uh, being a, a little idea. curious in those kind of business models and is really important. Have you, you've started testing this with customers now. Yeah. What's the response been? What are yeah. you seeing? Yeah, but we, we have a close relationship with the customer, seeing yeah. how can we develop this for, uh, further. And I think there is a, a great interest, and it's from both perspectives that you get access to, to products a little cheaper. Uh, to a better yeah. price. Yeah. And it's also win, win. the sustainability part. And I think it's sort of 50-50 and combined uh, to, uh, because uh, uh, the, the renting of uh, clothing in Sweden, you can rent glasses. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a fantastic view, but maybe not customer driven. But when the opportunity is there, uh, customer will be curious, I think. Yeah. Um, and we know that buying behavior is shifting in that way. We know that if two products are priced at the same amount, mm. the, the customer will ultimately choose the more sustainable option or the company that has better sustainability, uh, more purpose. Yeah. How do you do that in a genuine way? I think it's very difficult for companies today because everyone's talking about sustainability. Everyone's talking about the importance of uh, saving the planet, reducing our carbon impact. How do you make sure that your customers know that you care about this in a genuine way and it's not just for marketing? You know, it's not just we're saying we're sustainable because we think that's going to get us extra custom. Mm. How do you get that feeling across yeah. is that something you need to bring across within your business as well as externally yeah but first of all you need to to really believe in it that yeah. it is an important yeah. topic before yeah. you and i think uh, for us we're very humble uh, about where we stand today and uh, and, and uh, our journey going forward but we genuinely want to make a difference and we genuinely want to be a part of it and I think for me, uh, when I joined uh, NetoNet, uh, I really wanted it to be within the strategy in all parts of the company, not the sustainability yeah. strategy. So, yeah, yeah, so yeah. we worked a lot in the management team and, and different parts of the team sort of owns their own agenda. We are working with a lot of own brands. Yep. And of course, we have a, a great responsibility there working with our suppliers in China mainly yeah. uh, in, uh, in how we work with how do we choose suppliers uh, but also when it comes to the customer and the and the lager shop, how we display the information mm-hmm. uh, about the different products. So I think different parts of the companies needs to own their own agenda and yeah. sort of have the passion to to do that and and to also find the link between uh, that this is good for our business. Uh, it's not the cost; you can link it and connect it to driving a sustainable, financially also sustainable business. And our greatest passion is within the circular business models because there you can really see win-win-win everywhere and we have a really important role both when we work with our own brands but also when we're displaying brands what brands do we choose what demands do we take on the different suppliers uh, to be able to sell through net on net and yeah. also you have a, a big influence you're positioned as a leader in this industry so people are looking to you to see what you're doing and the steps that you're taking so by having that positive approach Hopefully, that will have a, a knock-on effect with other retailers looking to do the same thing, which is which is great. Hope so. <laughs> I'm. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second, but I'm. I'm really interested in like what do you? We've talked about this shift from thinking omni-channel to thinking opti-channel. What's been your biggest challenge, and what do you see as the existing biggest challenge? What's the main thing that you still feel that like you need to solve? Oh, when it comes to working with different channels, uh, I think it's. Uh, 
the journey going from a transaction to a relation. Uh, as we sort of started the conversation with, to really look upon uh, in the retail, to, to look upon a customer and adding value yeah. to that customer through the different, uh, uh, both customer journey, but also, of course, the different uh, touch points they have with us during that journey. And I think that is uh, so much harder than I thought, the mindsetting. Of course, you have the tech uh, stack that needs to yeah. be, to be adapted because today it's a lot about transactions, the traffic, conversion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but what if that is a starting point from a relation uh, in that sense? So I think the mindset of having a customer, adding value to that customers during the time, get to know the customers. Uh, and that is also very important to be efficient because, of course, if you have to, to sort of earn your customer all over and all over again, yeah. Uh, yeah. working with, uh, with the traffic, uh, we know that traffic is getting more and more expensive. Uh, so I think the efficiency of get to know your customers and add value through that and use your different touch points uh, to make sure that that is happening. And in what tactics way. are you using to get to know your customers better? Obviously, the idea of customer data comes into play here, but mm. how are you getting to know them better? And that's... Uh, that is also our main journey because we have so much data yeah. everywhere. Transactions yeah. happening all the time, uh, but we don't use it well enough yeah. and we don't use it in real time. Yes. Uh, and I think that is the key yeah. to really not only uh, take out the data, get a little smarter and start to act on that, but to use the data in real time to be very, very relevant to during the quick customer decisions. journey. Yeah, because absolutely. we know we get so much information, so much offerings. And if you're able to be very, very relevant, the right timing, mm -hmm. the right offer, then you will have the opportunity to talk to your customer in a different way. Definitely, and then the knock-on effects of that, a much more personalized experience, increased loyalty, everything that comes with, with being able to talk to them in that in that yeah. way. But there I think retail is uh, have a lot to learn from different industries. Uh, I yeah. mean, within the in insurance industry, and, and that's a really interesting uh, industry also. Yeah, why, a lot so of why challenges. insurance? What are you looking no, at with insurance? I think insurance? Uh, data, yeah, how you work with data. Uh, is very sophisticated and part of the business in a completely different way. And when I joined retail, uh, I think I, I thought that retail, they have the... Had it nailed. Uh, yeah, the first, <laughs> on first place when it comes to data. <laughs> yeah. But still, I think uh, there is a lot of data, but we don't... We, we don't know what to do with it yet. Or no, don't exactly. we have to access it, optimize it? Yeah, and especially in real time and make something real. Yeah. That is relevant for the customers. Yeah. And you mentioned the technology stack there briefly. I mean, lots of people are talking about this composable commerce, the, the break into the, the Mac technologies. Is that something that you've thought about? Are you seeing that shift from enterprise technology stacks into something a little bit more composable, headless? Yeah, we are in a journey when it comes to, to the tech stack, making it more flexible. Yes. I think a lot of retailers has... Uh, or. A, all industries have their legacy, uh, but yeah. I think we have focused so much uh, of the, the sort of the e-com store uh, and uh, and uh, uh, and the digital press yeah. in that sense. And now we are sort of uh, making it more flexible, combining the the best partners to be able to to act. Uh, and be relevant for the customers. Yeah. And that is also something in our strategy that we talk a lot about, that if we choose to do it on our own, uh, we need to be able, or at least aspire, to, to do it the best. Uh, and if we cannot do that, or we can see that there is a challenge, we need to find the best uh, partnership. Yeah. Uh, and looking out here at the Congress, a lot of our partners is here. Yeah. And I think that is also something that, that a lot of retailers have done, that this... Uh, not, not invented here strategy. You think that you can do it the best yourself, but the te technology is going so fast, especially yeah. when it comes the to data. The pace of change is yeah. crazy. 
So I think uh, joining forces with the best and sort of what what we need to to have the knowledge about is the customer. What does the customer? What do we want to 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 give? And, and how is that connected to the customer needs? Yeah. And then we work with the best uh, different technical solutions and have a flexible backbone yeah. to be able to do that. Yeah. I just want to touch quickly because we I've already had you for almost half an hour, which is incredible. Mm. We talked very, very briefly about the organizational change within your business to be able to meet the needs of your customers. Mm. What have you been doing around organizational change? How are you restructuring, if at all? Mm. I think what we have done the, the last years is to, to uh, increase our capacity to take the business from an outside-in perspective, uh, really in the customer relation, understanding the customers, uh, because um, as a lot of retailers, we love our products. <laughs> so a lot is based around products, assortments, yeah, category, yeah, 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 and yeah. it still is. Uh, yeah. But I think uh, the, the main challenge is to understand where the customer is heading. Yeah. How do you want to purchase the products? Not, we are really, really good at understanding the products and, the, and what products that are really happening now and will happen next coming years. Yeah. So increase the capacity in that sense. That is an organization change. And also to, to uh, even further build the company as a tech company. And it's so easy to talk about. Uh, but still a lot. Of, and even when uh, we look internally, we, we talk about it as... Uh, as uh, sort of the business and the IT. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think to, to really connect that, you, you need... Bring it together. Yeah, the tech organization yeah. need to understand uh, the customer needs to yeah. be able sort of to build the capabilities for the commercial team to capitalize yeah, on them. Yeah, completely agree. And we see that across all industries, particularly mobility. You know, that's another classic one. Mm. Mobility companies aren't thinking about being car companies anymore they're thinking about themselves as software businesses and it's for yeah. exactly the same reason that if you have that mindset then you get to know your customer better you can better respond to their mm. their needs and operate in that way mm. and as you say it's a mindset it's a mindset thing. shift it's not an, an it project yeah, uh, so exactly. i think that is that is a, a journey but uh, but i think yeah and that is also working with uh, the competences and the curiosity. Uh, in the, I know that I have a lot of colleagues here today and I think this is really being curious about the future uh, to see what kind of partners are there, what kind of solutions yeah. are there, listening in on what, what is happening. Opportunities? Yeah. yeah, okay. I'm going to finish with, there are obviously lots of other retailers here today. This is again a captive audience for us. If you were to give one piece of advice to the people listening into this podcast about what they should be focusing on for the next 12 months, what do you think it would oh, be? Oh, wow. Be curious <laughs> is, uh, is uh, my advice. Okay. And maybe influence from the from the where we are today, where there are so much innovation yeah. around this floor. So yeah. be curious uh, and the test and learn thing. Suzanne, thank you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation. Enjoy thank the you. rest of the Congress. Thank you. You've been listening to the latest transformation series from Valtech Cafe. Hit subscribe to get access to our whole back catalogue of conversations. And if you'd like to know more about what we do, why not visit us at valtech.com for all the details. Until next time, thanks for listening.